That's hard to come up after that. Maybe I could just pray for Jesse and Elise. Lord, we thank you that we as a congregation, we as a part of your body can be blessing our brothers and sisters around the world, sending out dear servants like Jesse and Elise. We do pray that you would work out the details on the visa and, Lord, that they would be ready at just the right time to return or to go to Iraq. And we pray, Lord, in that turbulent country that your name would be known and glorified there and that you would raise up your church for such a time as this, Lord, in your name. Well, my name is Scott Sumblad. Thank you for the thank you to the elders for in the invitation to be here. It's on. It's very humbling, and uh, it has been also very encouraging for me to be in the discipline of preparing for this message this morning. I was reminded um, of uh, an event I went to a couple years ago. It was a church training event, and the pastor that was he and some of his elders were facilitating this event. He was identifying something wrong in his congregation. He's become more well-known, and his church was growing, and people would actually drive up to his church and ask, is Pastor so-and-so speaking today? And depending on whether he was or he wasn't, people would stay or they would go. And I'm quite convinced that that didn't happen here this morning because you probably didn't know I was going to be preaching this morning. But uh, Tim Gosweller did know, he invited me, and he's not here this morning, so (laughs) take that for what that's worth. I had the chance to be with him and some of the other men and our young men at the retreat yesterday. They are continuing on through this morning, and that was really encouraging to be there with them. Um, And uh, Diane, thanks for sharing that wherever you are. Thank you for sharing that testimony. That's so exciting. Praise the Lord. Well, let me say a word of prayer for this message. God, I ask that your word would reveal and shine and accomplish its purposes. I ask that you would continue to do a good work in all of us for your purposes, Lord. And right now, as I, I bring your word, I, I pray that we would, as your servants, we would say, speak, Lord, for your servants listen, and may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So I asked him if we could go back uh, into Luke. We were in Luke in the fall into November, and I just suggested, hey, let's go back into the book of Luke for the next months, or a mo- couple months maybe, up until Easter. Let's try to land on Resurrection Day on the Resurrection Message. And so I am going back to Luke, and so we'll be in Luke 8 today. And I, I might have been actually the last one to share out of Luke in Luke 7, back in November. Luke 7 has Jesus going from town to town, and he's healing people. He heals the servant of a Roman officer. And then he goes to another town and he heals the only son of a widow who has, this son has died. He brings back that young man to life. And then there's some interactions with the crowds and there's some interactions with the disciples of John. And, and then Jesus encounters a woman who has lived a sinful life. And Jesus 
in the context of a gathering at a religious leader's home, he tells this woman, your sins are forgiven you are, because she loves. She has expressed her love by anointing his feet with an expensive perfume. And he identifies to the group around that this woman, because of her faith, she is saved. And that's where we'll pick up now in Luke 8. After this, Jesus was traveling from town and village, from one town and village to another. He was proclaiming, teaching the word, sorry, he was preaching and telling the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with Jesus, as were some women. Mary, called Magdalene, these women had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. One was Mary, called Magdalene. Seven demons had come out of her. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, Susanna, and many others who were providing for them out of their possessions. As a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from every town, he said in a parable, sorry, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he was sowing, some of the seed fell on a hard path. It was trampled on. And the birds of the sky came and devoured it. Some of the seed landed on rock. When it grew up, it withered because it lacked moisture. Some of the seed landed among thorns. The thorns grew up with it and choked it so that it did not bear any mature fruit. Some of the seed landed on the good ground. It grew and it produced fruit a hundred times what was sown. The disciples came to Jesus and said, what does this parable mean? And Jesus, he said, the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given for you to know, but to the rest it is in parables, so that looking they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. The meaning of this parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The seed on the hard path is like those who have heard, but then the devil comes and takes the word of God from their hearts before they can believe and be saved. The seed on the rock are those who have heard and when they hear, they, they, they receive the word with joy. But after a time, they turn away. They fall away in a time of testing. They believe for a while and fall away in a time of testing. These are the ones that are among the thorns. They hear, 
but they go their way and are choked by worries, by riches, and pleasures of life and bear no mature fruit. And these are those that are among the good soil. When they have heard the word with a good and an honest heart, they hold on to it and with persevering produce fruit. No one, after lighting a lamp, places it under a basket or under a bed, but places it on a lampstand so that all can come and see its light. There is nothing that is hidden that will not be revealed and nothing that is concealed that will not be brought out into the light and made known. Therefore, take care how you listen. For the one who has, more will be given to him. And the one who does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken away. Then the mother and the brothers of Jesus came, but they could not get to him because of the crowd. He was told, your mother and your brothers are on the outside waiting. They want to see you. But he replied, My mother and my brothers are the ones who hear and do the word of God. This account is from Luke 8, the first 21 verses. I want to ask a question. Jesus, at the conclusion of explaining this parable, he says something really important for us to catch. The crowds have come. Jesus then is with his closest followers and he's explaining this parable. But the crowds are there to hear him. And he says, take care how you listen. Who is this Jesus to say, take care how you listen? Well, we have this parable. It's sandwiched in between the beginning and the end of this chapter. At the beginning, as I shared, Jesus is going from one town to another town, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. And then after this parable, the very next scene, they get back going. They actually get into a boat. They cross a large lake, and they go again from place to place, demonstrating the kingdom of God. Jesus has been, at the beginning of Luke, he's sharing about the message of the good news, the gospel of the kingdom of God. Then he is demonstrating the kingdom of God. This, this word gospel, we sometimes boil it down to, I prayed a prayer and I'm going to heaven. But it's so much more than that. This word gospel, this word good news, it was proclaimed over Jesus over his birth, when he was born in Bethlehem. When the angels came to the shepherds in the nearby hills and said, We bring you good news. We bring you gospel of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David is born the Savior who is Christ the Lord. This word gospel in that context meant there's a new king. In the Roman days when there was a new king on the throne, messengers were sent out to proclaim there's a new king. And the very implication is 
you're either for this new king, you're, you're against. You will either bow or you will rebel. That's what gospel means. Jesus is the new king. And he demonstrates in the very next scene after this parable, he tells the parable, the very next scene in Luke has Jesus jumping into a boat, they cross, and as they're crossing this big lake called the Sea of Galilee, they encounter an enormous storm, and Jesus, he's asleep. And the disciples coming to him say, Lord, or they say, teacher, they say, don't you care that we're about to drown? He gets up, he rebukes the wind and the waves, and everything is still. He demonstrates his lordship over nature. The next scene has Jesus encountering a man possessed by many, many demons. And he says, come out from the man. The demons come out. The man is healed. He's in his right mind. He's clothed. He can engage in conversation. And that man goes and tells how Jesus has had mercy on him to that man's hometown and the surrounding villages. Jesus demonstrates his power over the demonic realm. The very next scene, Jesus encounters a woman who's been ill for 12 years, and he heals her, and he says, go in peace, your faith has saved you. Jesus demonstrates his power over illness. The very next scene, Jesus encounters a a girl who is dead, and he says, little girl, get up, and she gets up. This is the Jesus who says at the end of this parable, take care how you listen. It was really good for me to be preparing for this message because it is a discipline. It's um, it's an effort to bring the word and to be prepared and to have it working in my heart. I was sitting down at the kitchen table. It was Saturday a week ago. It was early in the morning. I had my coffee, I had my Bible, I was thinking about this message. And I asked myself this question. How am I listening? Or what am I listening to? Or whom am I listening to? It said, consider how you listen. This is in my journal. What do I listen to? And the conviction had come over me that, um, here, let me read this. For months, I had been listening to the reports, and then I... I'm not going to say the name, but there were reports of a particular individual in which there's been a scandal in the church, and it had impacted Deb and I in a personal way in the past, not anything here. And every day I was going to this particular news sites to get more dirt. The the reports were factual initially, but there's always, our media is terrible because you have all these responses at the bottom of articles, and you can just get fed up, you can get caught up into the gossip and the dirt, and I was finding myself caught up in this, and it was not feeding my soul in a positive way. And so uh, I stand before you thinking, as a result of preparing for this message, Lord, the Lord is showing me that I've been thinking and listening to other voices that are not his own, influencing me. And that's the reality of our life. What we see in these soils or these portions of the field in this parable, we see how real it is that Satan would come and snatch the word from people's hearts. Jesus is telling this to his disciples because people are coming to him, but their responses are going to be varied. Some 
are going to hear the word and immediately Satan snatches it out of their hearts. Some are going to be like the rocky soil. They're going to get excited, but when trials or persecutions come away, they're going to fall away. Jesus is telling his followers, many are also like those who live among thorns. We have worries. We have pleasures. We have um, worries and riches and pleasures of life that choke out the fruit. We, choke, we are choked out from being fruitful for the Lord because of these influences around us. And you know, I've shared this parable in many audiences, and almost everyone says, I want to be like the good soil. I want to be like the good soil. That, like the ones who would hold on to the word, just like the disciples are going to Jesus asking, Lord, what does this mean? Everyone usually wants to be like the good soil, who with a good and an honest heart hold on to the word and, per- and per- persevere and bear fruit. So what does this mean to hold on to the word? We need to be a people who are proclaiming the word to ourselves first. We need to carve out space and time and a listening attitude and position that we might hear from the Lord, that we might allow the authority of his word under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to impact our lives and to grow fruit. It will take effort. It will take perseverance. It will take discipline on our part to hear from our Lord. It will take carving out space and time to be in an active position of listening. So I encourage us, may we be a people who are positioned to listen to our Lord and to realize that there's an onslaught of voices in our world that are clamoring for our attention to distract us, to dissuade us, to to cause us to be fruitless in our lives. Jesus elaborated on that parable. This parable is a an understanding of the responses of the people to his message. He elaborates by saying, no one would think of taking a lamp and putting it under a basket or under a bed. No, that lamp must be put out to spread the light. And I believe that Jesus here is saying, when his word is proclaimed, allow it to shine into the recesses of our lives, allow it to bring that which is hidden into the light. And he goes on to say, one, he who has more will be given to him, but the one who does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken away. May we be a people who are allowing the light of the word, the message of this good news of the kingdom of God, may we be a people that are allowing it to shed light into our lives so that we might be a fruitful people and have that message to share into the lives around us. Jesus concludes 
Oh, and I want to make a note, by the way. Jesus says a really challenging statement. He says, it's verse 10. The secrets of the kingdom of God have been given for you to know, but to the rest it is in parables, so that, some other translations say right there, so that, or say, so that scripture might be fulfilled. The next very lines, looking that they may not see, and hearing that they may not understand. Those are quoted out of Isaiah. Jesus is stating, this is fulfilling what Isaiah has already prophesied, that many will not understand the very message that is being played out in front of their eyes. At the end of this passage, well, in verses 19, 20, and 21, we have this interesting encounter. The mother and the brothers of Jesus are coming. They want to come close. They want to talk to him, to be close to him. And people identify that to Jesus, and he responds, my mother, my brothers, they are the ones that hear and do the word of God. I'm somewhat baffled by that statement. Why would he be so brash to say that about his own mother and brothers? But I think what he's telling us is that there is an intimate connection with our Lord by being hearers and doers of the word. In John 15, we are reminded Jesus is the vine. We are branches. If his word abides in us and and we abide in him, we will bear much fruit. May we be a people who abide abide in the word and do the word. Well, I am very excited to have had this chance to share this parable, and I, I want to share why. I've shared this parable in a teaching context in several different places. As many of you know, I get the opportunity to do trainings in different parts of the world. And we always share this at the very beginning of our training, this parable, to help our participants understand as they learn the word, as they abide in the knowledge of the word, and then are empowered to go out and share the word, there will be various responses to sharing the word in their context. And we see this every time. We see hard soils. We see the thorns. But we also, Lord willing, we usually see good soil. We encourage our, our teammates to continue to go and find that good soil and continue to share God's word in those good soil conditions. What we always do is we share in the context of our team, of our gathering, of our group, we share the word and we discuss it and we allow it to work in our hearts first before we go out. And the, the workshop that I'm a part of, the project that I'm a wor- part of presently, I'll go to East Africa again in April. Um, it's been a, a real privilege to be a part of this workshop because we're working with East Africans who are believers, and we're able to have them travel away from their home areas and meet with us in a safe location. Their home areas are very challenging to live in and be, just to live in, but to be believers in those contexts are very challenging. And so we gather these team members together, and we have the opportunity to share God's word. We cast this vision of how the word can have a multiplying 
fruitful experience um, in the lives of people who are ready to receive it. Well, it's really important that we are wrestling with the Word and we are allowing it to transform and challenge us ourselves. And so some of the participants who've gone through some really tragic experiences in the context of our trainings, it's really like a retreat experience for them, they have identified how God has ministered to them. Every single one of our participants in this context has lost a loved one due to war. Many of them, I've, I see scars. I see scars on their bodies. I've seen fingers missing. I've seen limbs lift, m- missing due to the fighting that they endure. And that's just their norm. But for them as believers, it's even more challenging to live for Christ. One of the young men, he went back and he said, I'm going to share these Bible stories to my whole soccer team. And he said he'd probably get kicked off of the team. Uh, another young man, he decided, hey, I'm going to stop carrying my weapons. There's quite an application of God's word. I'm, I'm going to stop carrying my knife and my gun. I'm trusting in the Lord. And he was robbed, actually, right away <laughs> without his uh, self-defense instruments. And um, one of his friends came up to him and said, why are you uh, willing to go out on the street without something to protect yourself? And he says, I believe in Jesus now. This Jesus, he has power. He has power over nature. He has power over demons. I'm going to follow him. I don't need to trust in the things that I have. I trust in Jesus. And that people were thinking he was strange, but they had the opportunity. He continued to share um, more of those Bible stories that we have been training him with his friend and other friends because of his witness. So praise the Lord for how his word is going out into difficult contexts. But even in our context, we can be praying and aware of where God is working so that we can share his word with our family and with our neighbors and with our friends and the people, people that we come into contact on a daily basis. As I was preparing for this message, I, I memorized this so that I could have it working in my heart and allowing me to meditate on it over the last couple of weeks. And I stopped in in another community. I was on the road. I, needed, I wanted to get my hair cut, so I stopped in, and I got my hair cut. And the, young, uh, the, the lady that was cutting my hair, I said, hey, can I tell you a parable that I'm learning? And so she said, sure. And so in the 15 minutes that I had to get my hair cut, I also had the opportunity to share this parable. And it led to a little bit of a conversation about her family's need to get, she was seeing that her family had some needs, including community and a connection with a church. So maybe that will be working on her heart to draw her first to the Lord, but also, Lord willing, into the connection with other people that are seeking to follow after the Lord. I'm going to ask Leah Borg if she'd come up. We have a couple questions here at in your uh, bulletin. I think I grabbed the bulletin. Yes. And uh, I'm just going to give three minutes that you would just reflect on this message, but more importantly, this parable of the sower and the seed. And just reflect on what are we listening to? You know, who has our listening ear? And then how can I, or how am I hearing and doing the word of God 
And how can we plant the word of God in the lives around us? Just take a few minutes. You can grab your bulletin. You can write there, or you can just reflect quietly where you are. We'll have three minutes to do that. Thanks, Leah. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us your word 
And thank you for the promise that we can abide in you, Lord Jesus, and bear much fruit. May we be a people that hear and do the word of God. May we do it out of love for you because you first loved us. In your name we pray, amen.